In my business, you prepare for the unexpected. And what business is that? I help people with problems. Problem solver? More of a problem eliminator. We are the SpyFi guys, and this is License to Kill. Welcome back to the SpyFi guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. And today we are all in on spy fiction with the greatest fictional spy of all time, James Bond. And what did we pick for our first James Bond movie? Not the first James Bond movie, Dr. No, not the first rebooted Daniel Craig starring one, Casino Royale, but instead the second Timothy Dalton one, License to Kill. Because why do anything traditionally? <laughs> well, part of it is also because, I mean, I think we talked about this on the podcast before. This is a film that famously your parents wouldn't let you watch. That's right. We, I remembered it being in like the first two minutes the scene where, spoiler alert, Felix gets attacked by the shark. And then my mom was like, this is too violent, turn it off. So I never watched it my whole life or the other Timothy Dalton one, which was apparently the one before this one, The Living Daylights. Yeah, and that one's much less violent, actually. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why I never got around to watching it again, because I do like James Bond, but I'm happy to be watching it now. And it yeah. is kind of nice to be watching a new, in quotation marks, James Bond movie. Yeah, right. It's it's something you've never seen before. And well, it's, I mean, I've seen all of them a lot, but this is probably one of the ones I've seen the least. It must be kind of like how the uh, British BBC studio executives must have felt when they found those old episodes of Doctor Who in a warehouse in Columbia. <laughs> right. They thought right. it all burned down. Oh, um, we oh. should say, I'm Zach and this is Christian. <laughs> yes, hello. <laughs> we always seem to forget that. It's probably uh, yeah. in the intro. All right, so the, uh, the synopsis. Synopsis. James Bond goes rogue and sets off to unleash vengeance on a drug lord who tortured his best friend, a CIA agent, and left him for dead and murders his, murdered his bride after he helped capture him. It's kind of wordy. Also a little spoilery. Right? <laughs> so already I have a question for you. Sure. And I was hoping this movie was going to explain exactly what the deal is with the license to kill. Uh, so can he, can James Jones Bond just kill anybody? Can he kill like, No. Well, I think it's more of a, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't really explain it, but it's more of you know he gives he's got his target and he is licensed to kill that target. But he kills plenty of other people along the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, eh, it's a, it's a gray area. Well, my, my, uh, fun story sorry, about. So fun story about the title, it was originally called License Revoked, but when they tested that uh, title amongst American audiences, we didn't know what it meant. What? How could we not know so, what it meant? I don't know. So that the middle America apparently didn't know what License Revoked meant, so they changed the license to kill. Well, if you're not familiar with James Bond, I can understand not knowing Oh, when they say license revoked, they mean his license to kill. Hmm. So that's less of a problem. I mean, I think yeah. license to kill is just a better name anyway. Maybe. But you Except know, I, I, it's like an ironic name because for most of the film, he doesn't have his license to kill. And I sort of thought the license to kill would be more about... I know we're sort of kind of getting into the movie, but I was hoping that the movie would center around the whole idea of him nope. not being able to kill people. So have you ever played this video game called Dishonored? No. 
So I haven't played it either, but there's a thing in it where you're an assassin, your job is to take out these people of high importance in this fictional world. And you can kill them or you can ruin their life. You can like plant evidence huh. or trick them or otherwise get them either put in prison or fired from their job or, you know, whatever. And I, that's what I was hoping James Bond was going to do here, where he can't just go around killing people. He has to come up with some other solution to his problem. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, he doesn't, I mean, he does do a lot of more, a lot more sort of trickery in this one than some of the other ones. That's true. Okay. So, uh, so uh, let's get into the plot. Yes, let's do it. So we start off um, with a shot of, you know, the Key West Drug Enforcement and they're finding out that this uh, drug dealer, Franz Sanchez, you know, has left his base in Isthmus City for reasons unknown to him at the time. And, you know, this is their one chance to get him. And so you cut to Felix Leiter, Bond's longtime CIA at, um, CIA buddy, buddy yeah. Yeah. Um, friend, yeah. His longtime CIA friend who's getting married and Bond's his best man. Yep, so they're, they're stuck in the back of the car and they're wearing gray tuxedos, which looked familiar to me. I think I've also been to a wedding where they wear gray tuxedos. So it's them. Uh, not quite point not tuxedos? Of, no, it's morning dress, similar to what I wore at my wedding. That's actually. what because I went and looked at pictures of your wedding because I was like, this looks familiar. <laughs> Did he dress his wedding party like from this movie? But not quite. No, well, not specifically from this movie, but I, I mean, it is traditional morning dress, although it, theirs looks like cheap rentals. Oh, come on. Well, you know, a government salary doesn't it, pay that well. Also, it is the 80s, which is, you know, the decade that style forgot. Mm. I didn't think it looked that bad, though. These James Bond movies often look pretty timeless. Mm. I think yeah. that's a costuming decision. But anyway, so in the back of the car is Felix, James Bond, and Sharky. Yeah, so Sharky is a buddy of Felix and James, apparently. But we've never seen him before, right? We've never met him before, no. Okay, because I was wondering about that. I take it he's on the books or anything either. Nope, nope. So there is a similar character who's in uh, Dr. No and in uh, Live and Let Die, whose name is uh, Quarrel. But... And they could have just made this also a quarrel, but they didn't. <laughs> Maybe they probably didn't want to pay the rights to uh, to the character, to the uh, original movie. Eh, I mean, they own it, but that's besides the point. So <laughs> when they're in the car, they see this helicopter come by with a sign that says, follow me. And Sweet. it pulls over the side and they find that, you know, and so the pe people in the helicopter are from the DEA and they brief Felix Leiter, who's been working with them to try to figure to let them know that hey you know Sanchez is actually in the Bahamas and we can catch him and we have the go ahead from Jamaica already but it's my wedding day whoa wacky what am i going to do <laughs> it's like a sitcom plot uh, <laughs> but not not in like a bad way it's just a strange way to start this latest because I, I was told this was like a very gritty serious James Bond <laughs> Yeah, well, it, well, we'll get there. So, <laughs> so Sanchez is apparently going after his his uh, girl, girlfriend who has escaped from his uh, villa or the country mm -hmm. to be with some other guy, and so he she, he finds, and that's why he's out of Isthmus City, and so he finds her, prob seemingly kills the dude who's cheating on yeah yep. him with, and uh, whips her with like a manta eel. Tail. Very uncomfortable. That's what scene. that was. I don't, think they, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they'd have that in a James Bond movie nowadays. Also, Sanchez is played by Robert Davi or Davy, mm -hmm. 
I Dobby. recognized him. I couldn't remember where I recognized him from. He was in Die Hard. He is also in The Goonies. I do not remember The Goonies as well as I remember Die uh. Hard. But <laughs> that's correct. Who is he in the Who is he in The Goonies? He's one of the um, the siblings of like the villain sibling yeah. pairs, or I don't I don't remember exactly what his character's name is, but yeah, he's one of the villains. Yeah, he's always the villain. Poor guy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, his girlfriend also looked familiar, but I couldn't figure out where I knew her. From. Uh, I think she's in Spy Hard as a, as well as a few other things. Uh, what gets the girl gets Lupe, his girlfriend, and brings up you know goes to a plane, and on the way to the plane, he rolls into the brush to try to so to throw people off. So Lupe gets on uh, is about to get on the plane, and at this point, Bond and Felix and the DE agents come up, and you know they basically you know get let set her free. And find mm-hmm. that there's no one on the plane, no Sanchez, and they don't know where he is. Dun dun dun. Also, at one point, CIA, uh, or sorry, at one point, Felix is like, I'm going to go take care of this. Stay here, James. Do you remember that? Yeah. So after he says, Stay here, James, Timothy Dalton like, does like a smolder, like a blue steel <laughs> like, kind of expression. Mm-hmm. And I was like, What? <laughs> well, he is like the most serious of the Bonds, I think, other than Daniel Craig. Okay. Well, I would. I mean, yeah. That's what. That's what I was hoping is that his movies were going to reflect that sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it? Stay tuned. Anyway. Yeah. So when we find that Sanchez has gotten on a different plane and is going to, and is trying to get away, and Bond spots him, and they go up in the helicopter, and they basically pull off the same stunt they did in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, they expect one of us in the wreckage, brother? <laughs> that scene? Yeah, that scene. So, <laughs> but they go, Bond and the DE agents go above uh, Sanchez's plane with a helicopter. Bond, you know, goes out of the plane on a hook, loops, you know, a wire around the tail of it, and then they pull the helicopter up, and basically, and the plane is dangling from the end. And, so, I, and Nolan is a huge Bond fan, and he flat out stole that for uh, The Dark Knight Rises from The Living Daylights. So did he admit it? I don't know if he's actually admitted, but everyone knows that it's straight out of out of there. This part was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I, do, I do, it is nice seeing like practical stunts again. Mm-hmm. That's what we tune in James Bond movies for. There had to have been an easier way to take him down. Um, I mean, they didn't have any guns like on that chopper, so I don't think if there's really they had. And basically, it was Bond's idea, and he they were like, "I'm," you know, everyone else was like, "Oh, he got away." I was like, "No, let's go, let's go." I have this idea. So clearly, they didn't have any other ideas. So this scene reminded me a lot of Mitchell from Mystery Science Theater. So if, oh. if you've ever seen that, Jodan Baker is a cop, and the the climax of the movie is him chasing a guy on a on a plane. Uh, while Mitchell is in a helicopter shooting out the window, and they're only 15 minutes from international waters. <laughs> and I'm not saying they stole it. Or maybe maybe Mitchell stole it from James Bond. I wouldn't be surprised, because obviously this is a much better movie. Well, that's funny, because Joe Don Baker is in two other, no, three other Bond movies, one of which is Licensed Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that, then. Yeah. I remember him being a little grating in Goldeneye. <laughs> you know how those Americans are. Yeah, I'm not sure helicopters can outrun airplanes. By the way, uh, 
it would probably depend on the kind of chopper and the kind of plane. Like he was in a little Cesta, so maybe. Yeah, they probably don't go that fast. And uh, so when so they, so they come back and, and they parachute into Felix's wedding. Right, right when you know Della's telling everyone to go home. Della, being Felix's fiance and soon to be wife, mm-hmm. uh, is like telling them, "I'm sorry, go home." And then this everyone spots them and sees them land. And I, my favorite little moment here was that you know when they go into the uh, chapel, you know, you have the people carrying the bride's train and then you have other people, other like bridesmaids who are carrying the parachutes like trains. That's nice. I didn't see that. That, (laughs) that That's a funny touch. It's too bad we didn't actually get to see the wedding itself. Mm. I mean, that would just, it would have dragged down the, the movie you all, all you really need to do is see them go into chapel and assume that they're going to get married and then you see the party afterwards but before we see the party we get this title sequence uh with the song license to kill by gladys knight what did you think of it the song oh no or, just or the, the t- song credit. and the title sequence both. so so christian i have a question for you yes you're a james bond fan yes do you ever get bored with these opening credits in the 80s they get a little kind of tired it's always guns it's always naked women (laughs) it's like maybe for a change can we have opening credits that doesn't have those things once casino royale doesn't actually i mean they have guns but there's no naked women and it's all very card motif so right that is probably why i really liked it because when i first saw casino royale that jumped out to me as very enjoyable back to this one as you might have been able to deduce I was all bored for the credits and the music I thought was just sort of like your average eighties song. So apparently, so this one, was actually very heavily inspired by the gold, by Goldfinger. There's a certain uh, riff in there. That's like straight out of Goldfinger. So Gladys Knight performed it, but it said music by Michael Kamen. Was he the one who wrote the song too? No, he's the one who did the score. Okay. So do you know Michael Kamen? He is the composer from, I think, what, the first three diehards and like all the lethal weapons. Yeah, I know him from Band of Brothers. Ah, that too. But yeah, so it's it was very much like it's they were trying to bring in that sort of 80s action movie vibe into the movie. Well, it works for me. But then the mu- you think the music was part of that? Mm-hmm. I can see that. Well, yeah. I did notice that the James Bond, like, classic riffs and themes were not in it that much which made me appreciate it more when it did appear true true so we cut to the party and party yeah so there's a weird scene where like della you know felix's new wife says you know the bride always gets to kiss the best man i was like that's not any tradition that i've ever heard of that scene was so inappropriate (laughs) so there's this theory go uh, like in the bunky that you need Della was like an old flame of Bonds who got together with Felix. And that's why they have a, that's, they're very close. I mean, we're very close for the very short amount of time that they're together yeah. in this movie. Uh, but that, so that's fine. I mean, I could see that. But then we also have Ed Killinger come by. And he's like, I came by to kiss the bride too. Yeah. Well, Killifer, not Killinger, but yes. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, and then we also meet Pam. I yeah, have a note so... that we meet Pam. So she's briefly there. Um, so when so Della's trying to get Felix out to cut the cake, so sends Bond to go get him. And when Bond goes into his office, you see you just see this woman in there. You have no idea who she is, and you just see her walking out basically. Okay. Oh yeah, becomes, I remember now. Yeah. 
And Felix is like, it's not what you think. <laughs> it's kind of funny how we're more uptight about that stuff now than we were in <laughs> 1989. Or at least maybe I am. Mm. Can't speak for anybody else. But yeah. the scene with with just the scene with um, Della kissing James Bond on the mouth was like very WTF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we have so we like we met Killer for a little bit. You know, he's in the office and he works with the DEA agents. Mm-hmm. And we see, you know, so he's interrogating Sanchez and trying to get him to confess, telling him how much, you know. I, for, I should have written down with the number of how many, you know, different counts and how long, many uh, life sentences. Mm-hmm. It's like 900 years in prison or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So he, but, and so he said, not even one of the, your famous million dollar bribes would get you out of it. He said, this one is two, two million dollars. Yep. Killifer take, well, with a name like Killifer, you know he's going to turn out to be bad. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> so Killifer uh, is on the, uh, convoy transport to transport Sanchez to Quantico, which from the Florida Keys, that's a long drive. Uh yeah. That's that's long. It's almost like you could set up an ambush the whole way there. Uh-huh. So, uh, also also right before they put him on, he gets mobbed. Sanchez gets mobbed by a bunch of reporters. Uh-huh. And just have one of them wrote down a, a question, are you really Are you really Colombian? Colombian? <laughs> it's like what? That's a re- like I don't know. I, I remember us hearing that too. I was like, that's a random like all the other questions seem sort of relevant to you, but that was are you really a Colombian? Like, really? That, that's that's your question for the mass murderer drug lord who just got uh, who just got just got captured by the police. I'd yeah. have been like, How are you feeling about finally having your drug reign come to an end? That's just me. <laughs> yeah. So then we also cut so, back to uh the party, mm-hmm. like a post wedding party, and I noticed there's a guy in a pool up to his knees while wearing his morning dress and pop in a champagne bottle. Yep. Yep. And with like, there were some girls in the pool too, I think. Yeah. Now that's a party. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the only, only other thing that happens there is they give him a lighter that says to James from Felix and Della. And then when they light it, it causes like a minor explosion. <laughs> yeah, it is a very powerful lighter. Yeah. Well, it's a good gift for James Bond then. Mm-hmm. And also, so when, when we saw Felix in his office and he's, you know, he, Putting in his making his report, putting in his files, we see that he hides his CD in behind a picture of Della. Now, I didn't know CDs were a thing in 1989 yet. I, like, mm, they were like cutting edge spy gear. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought at that time they were still using floppy disks. Oh yeah, uh, I I couldn't I couldn't say. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, um, what's his name? Killifer knocks uh, during the convoy. He knocks out the other guy. And drives the driver, the, uh, yeah. and then crashes the truck yeah. off the bridge. So when I was watching this, my wife was like, "Didn't they use this and do this in another movie?" He's like, "They've done this in like anytime you show a prisoner transport, there's gonna be a, a, something to break them out." Yeah, but maybe she but meant they, like not in this particular way, like involving a bridge and an underwater extraction with divers. And uh, but she was right though; they did this in the most recent Mission Impossible. Yeah, they did. They did. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like James Bond goes underwater a lot. Is he that, does. Is that, yeah, is that borne out? I, it, not just in Thunderball, mm-hmm. in like a bunch of them. Well, yes, so he does. There's like, there's each Bond has maybe at least one where he does some sort of scuba thing. Maybe because it's like easy to film? Uh, that, and I think it's also just because, like, in, at least in the original novel, it was because it was, 
you know, Fleming loved to put his own interests into Bond novels, and so he liked, you know, diving, and so he'd put those in a lot. Uh, okay, well, you know, certainly commandos do water mm -hmm. attacks, so it, it makes sense. And he is in the yeah. Navy, as they keep reminding mm -hmm. us in this movie when they call him Commander. Commander Bond, yes. <laughs> okay, so the drivers extract Sanchez and Killifer, and then we cut mm -hmm. back to James and Della, and they're giving him the garter. Oh, yes. Which is, this is not something Jews do either, and it strikes me as really <laughs> uncomfortable in every situation that it comes up. Oh, well, uh, and we can save this for another, you know, another podcast, but I can tell you many, or even just off air, just tell you many awkward stories about garter tosses at weddings. It sounds so awkward. I mean, it is. the bouquet toss Actually, isn't a whole lot better. But, well, this is probably the least awkward garter toss because it's not like, you know, there's all these men around who are, he, she's just throwing it to him. And then we get a reference to how Bond was married once. Yeah, continuity. Mm -hmm. I like that. And then yeah, actually, so in these movies, really, like that whole thing about Tracy dying is the one thing that, like, continuity wise, that keeps, you know, being put forward as making, you know, really sh saying that this is the same guy, yeah, you know, aside from the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah, this theory or this movie, the reference to him being married, I was just talking to somebody about this earlier, is mm -hmm. it hurts the narrative that they're different people, but doesn't kill it because. You know, they didn't say his her name was Tracy. He could have been married to anybody, and then it didn't work out. Just saying. I mean, it's real. Like the, the whole, and I, I'm surprised this has not come up. Well, we haven't talked talk too much Bond before, but the whole code name theory, where James Bond's a code name, mm -hmm. it doesn't work. I know it doesn't work, but I think it's so cool. I really uh, like no, it. No, I, I hate it. It's terrible, and I hate it because <laughs> it just means that we're not even following the same guy. So what's the point? Uh, uh, because it's entertaining. It's entertainment. Yeah. It's not like it's real. So yeah, who cares? but I mean, it's no other character besides James Bond. Do we get this theory? Like, how many people have played Batman, but no one thinks, "Oh, it's a new, new actor. It must be an entirely different guy," or well, anything Batman like that. With all the different multiverses and shit. I mean, you could say James Bond. There's a greater James Bond multiverse. <laughs> who knows? The human imagination is uh, powerful. But maybe we should get back to the actual movie. Yeah. So, okay, so there's reference to the marriage, and then Sanchez comes back for revenge on Felix. Mm -hmm. So he kidnaps, well, he kidnaps Felix and kills Della. Mm -hmm. And he brings them to this uh, warehouse, which is their distribution center for their cocaine. And they have a little trap door where there's a shark. Yes, this is the and infamous shark part, which I thought was much earlier, but now <laughs> here it is. Yeah, so Felix gets a leg and part of an arm, you know, bitten off by a shark, which is actually in the original novels. It happens much earlier in the novel of License or Living Daylights, which is the second Bond novel. That's when he gets, you know, an arm or a yeah, it's an arm and part of a leg bitten off. So the idea is that from now on, whenever we see Felix in subsequent movies, including Casino Royale, he's missing a leg and part of an arm. Yes. Oh, oh, well, in the original, so the order of the books is different than the order of the movies. So Casino Royale was the first one. That's when you meet him for the first time. And then every other time after that, he's, yeah, missing it. I think, he, I don't think he's missing a leg till later. I think it's just the arm. Okay. Wait a second. So, so Casino Royale is a reboot. Yes. Okay. So it's not in continuity with this one. No. 
Okay, but in the original novels, that. yeah, it was Cassini Royale first, and then Living, or then the License to Kill, or sorry, Live and Let Die, and then Moonraker, Goldfinger, Thunderball, etc. Okay, so Sanchez mutilates Felix and kills Della. Kind of sorry. implied that his henchmen rape her too. I don't know where you got that impression. Well, it's from the movie. Yes, well, it's from uh, what's his face. Uh, Benicio? Benicio del Toro. He said, "Don't worry, we gave her a nice honeymoon." I think you can kind of go either way. I, yeah. I maybe I'm just liking to see the more positive side of people. I interpreted that as, "Oh, we killed her." Whatever. Mm-hmm. I also like the part right before that where James Bond's going to the airport, mm-hmm. and he's and you know he's doing his thing, and then the airport agent whose name is escaping me right now. Oh, God. I don't think she had a name. No, not the name. What do you call people who have that job? Oh. Like ticket seller? Yeah. I, the the, the open ticket seller is like, some big drug dealer just escaped. I don't know, whatever. It's like, <laughs> what? You'd think you'd be, you'd be a little bit harder. But I did notice also mm-hmm. that James Bond takes Della's death a lot harder than like every other Bond girl death we've seen so far. Yeah, well, because I mean, I think it's, well, oh. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I'd say depends on the character. Well, so she's well. I think it's because she's not. She wasn't mixed up in the plot like a lot of other Bond girls are. You know, if they're the girlfriend of the of the uh, bad guy, or if it's a you know fellow agent or something. This Mm -hmm. is like she's out of the game. She's not anyone's. You know, I mean, she's like Felix's wife, but it's still not someone who should have been involved in this ever. So I think that's why. And the connection to Felix too. That Mm -hmm. Felix is going to be sad. Plus, it sort of ties into that if she's an old flame of Bonds, she, he was gonna, he'd take that hard, too. Yeah, but some some good acting from Timothy Dalton. He didn't overdo it. Yeah, and so, yeah, so she, so uh, Bond finds, yeah, Della's body and also finds Felix's body with a, a note pinned to him saying he disagreed with something that ate him. You know, I don't think I like one-liners when bad guys say them. I like them when James <laughs> Bond says them. Uh, so so he takes Felix to the hospital, and then Sharky has a line where he says, I know a shark bite when I see one. So is it like a coincidence that he's named Sharky and also knows about sharks? No, that's not a coincidence. That's a nickname. Come on. <laughs> that's probably why he's nicknamed Sharky is because he knows about sharks. Oh. Well, but like maybe it would have helped if he had like a job or something that had to do uh-huh. with sharks or something. I feel like there's a lot left on the cutting room floor. Did the book Probably. explain it? Oh, wait, wait, you said yeah. it's not in the book. Well, there is no book for License to Kill. Okay. Yeah. They take parts of The Living Daylights and the Hilda Brent Rowdy and a few other Bond like short stories and mash them together. Okay. So we get this confrontation in this in this in the hotel in the hospital room mm-hmm. where uh, Bond wants to go after them and then Felix's CIA buddies are like, no, we're gonna deal with it. Mm-hmm. I like that part. Very machismo. <laughs> I, I like the, the part where James Bond is like, there are other ways to do it. And then someone is like, let it go, Commander. <laughs> Bond and Sharky go off on their own. And they and so they start going to any so any place they might have or sell sharks. And so they go to the last one, which is Milton Crest's place. Mm-hmm. And which is the place that which was the you know cover for the distribution center. You know, he's asking, he has some, you know, he's look, I'm looking for a Carcarian Carcarius. <laughs> a what? A great white shark. And you I'm going to assume that Sharky like, told him that because Sharky is the shark expert. <laughs> Probably. But also it's like, well, like an aquarium or something like that, or 
I guess, a vendor for uh, fish wildlife, they should know scientific names. Yeah, but I mean, the guy, I think, did he say that to the owner who looked like John Voight? Or did he say that? To- <laughs> he does. No, he looked excited to the henchman. Yeah, so the, the henchman's not going to know. The henchman's like, dude, come True. on, just work here. <laughs> so, yes. uh, so, so obviously John Voight can't help him out. He gives, <laughs> he gives him the cold shoulder in like a very not subtle manner. Yeah, but while he's leaving, on the ground he sees Felix Leiter's boutonnier from his wedding. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. I was like, why is the camera focusing on the trash? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so Felix comes and Sharky come back later that night. Mm. And apparently uh, Killifer is there to be, you know, dropped off somewhere else in the sub. That's right. So we get some solid, solid James Bond infiltration and fighting of mooks. Mm -hmm. And including some James Bond deaths, like when he drops the guy into an electric eel tank. (laughs) <laughs> right which i'm pretty sure that's not how electric eels work i don't i think they can kill people but i don't think they make like lightning <laughs> right yeah but we like to imagine also he what about the mag the cigar of the maggots i don't think that guy was dead probably I mean, not so just knocked out but but i mean that is a lot of maggots yeah it's probably pretty it's like something out of a horror movie <laughs> then he takes on killifer too and uh beats him up pretty easily yeah and so he, you know, puts him over the same trap door that he had Felix on, and you know says, "Come on, buddy. There's two million in there. I'll split it with you." And hmm. Bond's like, "No thanks. You keep it," and throws it at him. So he lets go of the hook and falls down at the sharks. And then Sharky's got a nice line here: "What a terrible waste of money." Womp womp womp. I also I also like Bond being like you keep it. I thought that was a good mm-hmm. one liner too. I also like here how Sharky has actual motivation to be helping Bond as opposed to just being some random person that he like picked up in his travels. Mm-hmm. Because he was a friend of Felix's, yeah. Yeah, and he like seemed to know what he's doing. Uh, in the in where there's trouble about. Okay, James Bond goes to the Hemingway house, which is full of cats. Yeah, because Ernest mm-hmm. Hemingway liked cats. Probably. So, yeah, so it was uh, one of yeah Felix's DEA buddies, you know, found him and said, come on this way, you know, and mm-hmm. you find that M and a bunch of MI6 agents are all in the Hemingway house. And he's and he basically, you know, says, you know, that you were supposed to be where I don't remember where he's supposed Between to be on Istanbul, assignment. I think uh, Istanbul. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you and Bond's like, no, I need to help out. I need a solve this and figure and get justice for lighter and like spare me the sentimental rubbish do you feel like this is kind of character assassination of m no this character this well at least this version of of m was much more uh, uptight than the uh, bernard lee m yeah i'm trying to remember who this actor is but yes uh, after bernard lee died he took over as m for about two movies and he was much less uh Robert Brown, that's his actor's name. Mm. He was much less sort of kind and warm to James as the Bernard Lee M was. I can kind of see where M is coming from, especially mm-hmm. because it's like, well, if they need him to go to Istanbul, there's probably something they need for him to be doing. Yeah. They're not just not letting him do it because they feel like being jerks. But <laughs> come on, he's like such a, he saved the world like 20 times or something. <laughs> you know, cut him a little bit of slack. All right. I also yeah, like so, where he's like, we're not a country club double or seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he revokes his license to kill mm-hmm. and, you know, asks for his, you know, fi- his sidearm. 
And, of, and this is where Bond throws in uh, Hemingway references. I guess this is a farewell to arms. I hated that. So <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that it was the Hemingway house, like just in case you don't, you don't get it. <laughs> so when that happens, Bond kicks. It looked like he kicked M for a second, but I think he actually <laughs> kicked the MI6 agent next to him and escapes. And you know, M's like, Godspeed, Commander. A little bit of mixed, mixed, mixed messaging, but right. hey, we all of our uh, people got to answer to, and mm. uh, just as much as anybody else. So we cut to a boat, which is the Wave Crest, which has Milton Crest, the guy who you referred to as uh, John Voight. He really does look like John Voight. It, uh, well, yeah, uh, but to, so it's his boat, and Lupe is on board, mm-hmm. and before, yeah, so Bond has figured out that Milton Crest is the one. Well, is involved in it somehow and so he goes aboard the wave crest and he well he but he before he gets on board he's disguised as a manta ray which i thought was ridiculous yeah almost as ridiculous as the scuba suit slash tuxedo from dr no <laughs> no that's just uh from goldfinger man no that's just awesome okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's get it right manta ray ridiculous other one much better so what else yes, exactly. <laughs> that, so their, their cover is that the Wavecrest is a research vessel, but then they have guards with like machine guns walking around. Yeah. I mean, it's very important research. Sure, totally. <laughs> okay, and then so Bond gets in. He 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 infiltrates as he does, and he mm-hmm. and he meets up with Lupe, and they have a conversation. And she says, "It was my fault. I made him angry." In reference to the the uh, the whipping scars, yeah, which is yeah. of course uh, you know a domestic violence cliche yeah and that was yeesh. those not, did not look well i mean the movie portrayed it as bad so i don't i don't oh, yeah, have a yeah. problem with it but it, it, it i guess this is sort of where people are coming from when they say that this movie is more hardcore and more violent and serious and so on mm-hmm. but so he finds so yeah like you said he meets up with lupe and apparently so he's bond is looking for sanchez but sanchez isn't on board and she doesn't know where he is as we, as you know, they're talking out the window. You see another ship come up, a smaller boat come up, and it's got mm. a bunch of sharks hanging from it. And then also, it's got Sharky hanging from it. Yes, so they got Sharky. Sharky. Sorry, Sharky. Yeah. Fifteen minutes of screen time and eternity in our hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Bond sees this. He's pissed off. Goes out. Pretty much just walks outside. Grabs a spear gun and shoots the shoots the guy who came up on the boat and said, compliments of Sharky. Yeah, his first kill after losing his license to kill. Yeah. That's our that's our man. And so <laughs> he goes, he dives into the water and takes the uh, guy, the uh, guy who he shot uh, sub, or his uh, oxygen tank. Yeah, I he love that. Yeah. That was awesome. Then he, he goes up to the Sentinel machine and like starts to like mess with it. Yeah, so, the sen- so they're doing, the reason they're out there is because they're doing a drug deal, so they send the Sentinel out with all the uh, cocaine and trade. Mm-hmm. Oh no! So they had Sentinel had cash and they traded for the cocaine from a seaplane. Right. And so, yeah, Bond. After they make the trade, Bond, you know, get, stabs all the uh, cocaine, so it just disintegrates into the water. Which <laughs> means there's just a bunch of. I don't. I don't know anything about cocaine, so I don't know if that was going to like affect all the fishes around there. They, they taught us in seventh grade that dilution is the solution to pollution. <laughs> and you can't get more diluted than that. So. I think they're probably okay. Yeah, and so, and then he uh, harpoons the 
the seaplane and yeah, uses like, it to water ski. Yeah, well, not only does that, he does it while fighting a bunch of guys uh, that's true, yeah. the water. <laughs> yeah. So it reminds so me of when I would play Arkham Asylum and you'd grapple away from guys before they <laughs> get the shit out of you. Yeah, this my wife my commented on this, that she said it was like much better underwater scene than Thunderball. Like the really, really long fight scene where they're uh, all this period. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, the water skiing was my favorite part. It was movie. pretty cool, yeah. I like the music. I like that it was looked. It was very real. It looked like a very real stunt, mm-hmm. and it was great. Yeah. So he use yeah he uh, water skis and then cl- gets up to the boat, and gets on one of the pontoons and gets into the boat and throws the other two two guys inside there, off off the uh, Out off of the, the plane. plane so, yeah. Um, why do you the- even have an emergency door release? Uh, for emergencies? I don't know. But it's like, it seems very unsafe that you can like hit a button and then the door will just fall fall off. <laughs> Along with whoever's holding on to it. Which is exactly what happens. I don't know. Whatever. That, this this that scene was great too. Like him climbing on yeah. it, fighting mm-hmm. it, taking control. That's, this is what we tune into James Bond for. Yep. So he so he sneaks back to the lighter house and realizes, you know, okay, they may have trashed the place, but it's pretty clear that um, he wants to see if they got the one thing that he knew they would were really looking for, which was lighter's files. Mm-hmm. And so he checks behind the CD of uh, the checks for the CD behind the photo of Della, puts it into the computer, and finds the database. And it's a bit database follows the informants he's been working with, and like he sees that most of them are dead except for one. P. Bouvier, and it shows you know when her the next meeting they had set up was well, supposed to be. There's only one informer left. Will that informer be a hot check? <laughs> Have you seen a James Bond movie before? Yeah. So he finds her at the bar that the was, meeting was set for, which is a very 80s looking bar. It's great. This is a great <laughs> bar. It's, it's uh, like right out of that, that movie, The Warriors. I don't know. <laughs> Never mind. This is like you, you've you've seen it before if you see an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. And so he finds, and it's, and it looks like uh, P. Bouvier is Pam, who is the woman that was, you know, briefly seen in the beginning, in uh, the after in the wedding after wedding scene, and so she, you know, he tells her that you know that uh, Felix got incapacitated, and then apparently there's a bunch of San- Sanchez's men who are there, right? Who've been watching to see who would show up to meet her. Mm-hmm. And then you've got and Dario comes in too, and yeah, so, Dario, you know, aka Benicio del, del Toro. Mm-hmm. So you sit down at their table, and I like this moment where you know they're ordering Bud Lime, and the waitress comes back, and he's like, "Are you paying cash?" And then the guy, the guy, one of the henchmen is like, "I'll get it," but he's really about to pull out a gun, and Bond just you know, you know, punches him in the face. He says, "He's had enough. Run a tab." Run a tab. <laughs> also, um, what, a, what a polite henchman. Also, <laughs> can we talk about the Bud Lights with limes? Because I yeah. remember when yeah. Daniel Craig became <laughs> the, you see where I'm going with this? Became the oh, I know exactly what you're going to start talking about. And people were like, James Bond doesn't drink beer. He only drinks martinis or other kind of fancy It's stuff. just because people are ridiculous. And I mean, yeah, no, Bond's drinking, like in Dr. No, in the very first movie, he drinks some red stripe, which is a like a which is a beer. Okay, and it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, so well, it's, it's, 
I just assumed, I assumed he had Bud with the first of all normal Bud with the lime. Whatever. I assumed he had that because that's what she was having. But I yeah. just thought that was funny. I liked uh, how Pam had a shotgun under the table. Right. I was like, <laughs> like how did she get that in there into know. the bar? <laughs> There's nowhere she could have hid that. Yeah, I was like, tell Java, even I get bored at sometimes. <laughs> uh, but uh, but is the is Dario gonna say McClunky? <laughs> Oh, God. I was hoping <laughs> to forget about that. Uh, nope, nope. Yeah, there's a little bit of Star Wars for you guys there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so eventually, though, they can't they can't put it off anymore. And a, a bar fight starts with another yep. one of my favorite tropes from <laughs> these old school movies where if one person punches another person in the bar, everyone, everyone will suddenly jump fighting, up. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like apparently uh, there's like deep-seated seething resentments from everyone in the bar. They just can't wait to take out at the slightest excuse. Yeah, and so there's a lot of funny things that happen in this bar, bar fight, including one of the henchmen grabs the swordfish from the wall and tries to spear Bond with it. That was amazing. <laughs> I want to know who came up with that idea. Oh. I want to shake their hand, because that is so good. <laughs> yeah, so they, they fight, and Pam uses her shotgun to create a giant hole like in the wall. Hole. Like, that is a ridiculously <laughs> size hole. And also, if you look at the look at the wood it's not like it's very thin wood either so like how powerful is that sh- does that shot gonna have to be to do that is you load it with like titanium all right it was more like we need to get them to shoot through the wall so just do it so <laughs> she, she blows along the wall jumps out bond follows and i like the part where so she gets hit goes down and then bond's like going to driving away in his uh boat and then a machine gun inter- comes around and bond just turns and just takes out in a single shot <laughs> she gets shot in the back, but of course she's wearing a bulletproof vest. Mm-hmm. And so they take off on the boat, and they, you know, he's saying he's trying to negotiate a price to you know get get to Isthmus City, which is where you know Sanchez's headquarters is. Mm-hmm. And they run out of gas because apparently someone hit the fuel line when they were shooting. A likely story. That's what <laughs> Bond says. It depends on whether or not you believe him. Yeah. And so then we have this back and forth, which we've seen a million times in Indiana Jones movies where (laughs) first they bicker and then they hook up like immediately. (laughs) I I thought it was kind of funny when they were bartering about the cost Mm -hmm. of of how much he was going to pay her. And does he even (laughs) pay her? I don't know. Yeah, well, he has all that money. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. I have questions (laughs) about that money. So so they hook up and then we have MI6 trying to stop. Bond. Well, you have M who's really trying to stop Bond, and Melanie Penny is worried about Bond, and so she calls Q. Mm-hmm. And and but we don't see the results of that for a while. Yes, instead we cut to them on their way to you said Ismith City. Yes, and uh, I like the funny exchange here where she's like, "Why can't you be my executive <laughs> secretary?" South of the border, it's a man's world. So you know how we've talked about how there's like racism in James Bond movies. I don't yeah. think this one's that bad. No, in terms of no, this it's really a lot of the older ones, like the Sean Connery is where there's a even yes, but this one's actually other than yeah. I mean, it's not it's not great that when you have a villain who's a drug dealer, you have him be South American. That's that's like a stereotype. But well, so apparently he was like based off of a few different actual drug dealers, so it made sense. Like it made sense, like partly based off of Pablo Escobar. Mm Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it's something you would do nowadays, but it's by James Bond standards, it's not that bad either. Yeah. Okay, so so they get in, and now is the money. James Bond has like however many million dollars in his four, suitcase. Four million nine hundred thousand. The bad guys are on to him pretty much immediately. Mm, not quite. Not that he's a spy, but they're like, "Hey, what's the deal with this guy?" Oh yeah, you know he's suspicious. Yes, because he's, you know, some a gringo who's come in and is throwing around a bunch of cash, which is kind of his plan. Mm-hmm. Because he, yeah. he's trying to get close to Sanchez, basically. It's pretty absurd that Benicio del Toro doesn't ever see him during this part. Well, um, during this time, he's. I think Benicio is with. Huh. That's a good question. Where is he? I know. I mean, I'm sure he probably has other. You know, I think he's he he's over going. with uh, what you call with Milton Crest. I mean, it works, but it's like this yeah, so, might be the only James Bond movie that I'm aware of where the villain like doesn't immediately know that James Bond is a spy trying to kill him. Maybe. <laughs> I have <laughs> to think about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you have Bond who goes to the Banco de Isthmus to make a small deposit of you know four million nine hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of yeah to get Sanchez's attention and also to uh, get a line of credit at the uh, casino which they're connected to. Mm-hmm. And why does he do this? Just to maintain his cover? To get Sanchez's attention, basically, like uh, okay, so that he can get closer to Sanchez. And uh, so we have now we have you know we see sort of inner workings of uh, Sanchez's facilities. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, Truman Lodge, who's their like financial guy, you know, talking about how they, you know, turn this in, turn this around from uh, into being like, yeah, an investment. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's just business, as he says. Uh-huh. Also, in this scene, Shake and Not Stirred comes back. <laughs> yeah, and so you have truman lodge uh and sanchez up in up in sanchez's office watching what looks like a televent like almost like a televangelist uh or charity auction uh charity uh fundraiser it, it, it's, thing. It's a, yeah it's like a pbs pledge drive yeah that's what there yeah, that's what i was like uh, starring one wayne newton <laughs> which i thought is ridiculous um, am i supposed to know who wayne newton is yes <laughs> who is he <laughs> He's a singer. He does shows in Vegas. You ever see the Vegas Vacation movie? No. Ah, wow. He's in that. Yes, he's a, he's a famous guy. From like the eighties, though. The uh, eighties, seventies, even okay. into the nineties. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. But yeah, so he. So then the deal is, anytime. So you know, Truman Lodge will call uh, Wayne Newton, aka Professor Joe, and tell him, you know, this is how much they're trying to. So, trying to raise which is actually you know how much you know their distributors are need to pay for one kilo of cocaine mm-hmm. and so anytime that you know one of the like so the new york branch is pledging 500 that means that they want 500 kilos mm. it's yeah. like an auction yeah an auction or it's just a way, it's a way for them to communicate with their uh the franchises so they don't ha- have to do it directly okay yeah, it's like putting an ad in the paper or something, but yeah, uh, a little more subtle. Yeah, so and so Bond is playing at the casino, seemingly just to try to kill time, or also just to get Sanchez's attention. I think, right? So he, puts, so he like plays blackjack using maximums, and he like wins a ton of money. Yeah, and yeah. then Lupe goes down, and she replaces the dealer at Bond's table, mm-hmm. indicating that his plan is working. 
Yeah, so and apparently she used to be a uh, blackjack dealer before she got Sanchez's attention. Uh, thank you for that character moment. We didn't really <laughs> need to know that, but okay. <laughs> thank, thank you, movie. <laughs> so, and so while this is happening, you know, Bond sends Pam to order him a martini in the like very in the most aggressive way to say shaken not stirred that I've ever heard. Shaken you, not stirred. You mean like because he's angry James Bond who's serious because <laughs> this is a serious James Bond movie. Uh, so while this happens, uh, Lupe brings Bond up to Sanchez's office and you know he's basically scouting the area. Notices that uh, Sanchez has what two inch thick bulletproof glass. Mm-hmm. You need a cannon to get in through that. Uh-huh. It's awesome. But fortunately, he meets Q. Yeah. And Q's so, willing to help him. So, ah. Q, so Q comes with a bunch of gadgets, including, you know, some plastic ex- explosive hidden in a tooth- toothpaste tube, as well as a uh, camera, which is actually a gun, and but it also has an optical palm reader, so only he can fire it. And it also has a laser. Mm-hmm. But the laser does not come back, right? No. No, that, that, that was a different camera that had the laser. It was a Polaroid. Does that ever come back? Nope. It's just one of those things that they show for once as a gag and then never comes back. So I'm going to be frank. I didn't really like this part. No? So when I read the concept of a James Bond movie where he goes rogue, uh-huh. it's interesting. But you have – he still kills people and he still has gadgets. So it's really not that different. It's not like he is, no. it's not like MI6 agents follow him around and back him up normally. He normally operates on his own. So now that he has gadgets, it's like basically just the same thing all over again. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been more interesting if he had not had gadgets and had to like figure out on his own how to accomplish his objectives. And that's what sort of has happened in what, like three out of the four Daniel Craig movies when he goes, goes rogue. And mm-hmm. people have like hated that fact, though. That three out of four movies involves him going rogue. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really like it either. <laughs> uh, wait, what's the one where he doesn't? Is it Skyfall? Well, uh, I mean, Casino Royale. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think for like Skyfall, for example, when he goes rogue, it's not, it's not like he's working against his government. He's just like, I need to do this. Yeah, whatever. Maybe we'll cover it when we get there. It just didn't bother me as much as it did here, I think. Okay. Anyway, so um, Sanchez is meeting with a bunch of Asian drug dealers. Uh, excuse and... me, I think you mean the Orientals. Oh, let's uh, let's not do that, please. Okay. <laughs> that's what they that's what they said. I mean, it is, I... but I'm going to choose to call them Asian drug dealers. Okay, that is well, and well, or are they? We we shall see. Yeah. Well. And so while this meeting is happening, Bond like sneaks outside of the window, plants the plastic explosives, and mm-hmm. then Q brings him across the street to, you know, a good sniper perch. And while yes. he's trying to, you know, you know, get a bead on Sanchez, he's and he's looking through the, through the rooms in the scope. He notices Pam with uh, Sanchez's head of security, Heller. And mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell is she doing there? What the hell is she doing there? <laughs> I mean, so this is something that. I wanted to mention, which is, are you familiar with the Roll Doll Bond Girl formula? Yes. Would you like to tell the audience about that? Um, I don't remember what, exactly what it is, but you can, you can. Okay, so yeah. I, I do remember. So Roll Doll was involved with the old school James Bond movies, and he says so he wrote uh, "You Only Live Twice." Okay, so he says that there is a, a formula where there are always three Bond girls. So the first one is in love with James Bond, and she's like his buddy. 
and she's great and then she dies that mm -hmm. makes so that that's sad she gets fridged and it gives him motivation so then there's bond girl number two who's a villain who mm -hmm. tries to kill bond but then he seduces her and then she also dies by sacrificing herself to save him <laughs> and then finally there's the third 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 bond girl who is always good and is always in love with him and she survives until the end <laughs> so i noticed this movie is not following that formula no and a lot of them it's really those Connery movies that follow that formula. And some of the Moors, but uh, the other ones, they don't always follow that formula. Okay. Now that I know about it, I kind of want to keep an eye out and see <laughs> which movies it appears in. Um, so anyway, so he's like, what's the deal with Pam? And then he's lining up to kill Sanchez, person number two that he's going to kill after losing his license to kill, but mm -hmm. is stopped. Well, so he, yeah, so he sets off the plastic explosives and then he gets attacked by ninjas. Ninjas, of course, because there's Asian people there. So, of course, they're going to also be ninjas. Hmm. That makes total sense. I also like how the ninjas like beat him up pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wasn't expecting it. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, James Bond doesn't have to win every fight. It's fine. True, true. But yeah, so apparently the nin ninjas work for Hong Kong narcotics. And one of the guys whose name escapes right now is a famous asian actor he was uh he's in one of like the mortal combats or something i think no he, he did look he, really familiar yeah um but so he he was one of the supposed drug dealers he's actually working for hong kong narcotics and you know he was trying to get a tour of sanchez's facilities but of course you know bond has screwed that all up now and then so while they're having this argument and you know there's also an mi6 agent there who identifies him as james bond okay nice i'm sorry i have to interrupt so yeah the guy we looked familiar, we do know him. He's Kari Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. Yeah, uh, Yes. And he was he was in Tekken, which is what you were thinking. Uh, of. Not, I, maybe, and also yeah. Mortal Kombat. Oh, he was in Mortal. See, I thought that he was in but Mortal I, Kombat. Yeah, but I know him from the Man in the High Castle. Ah, uh, yes, he's in that too. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. Anyway, yeah. so you know, while they're having this discussion and well, more of an argument really, and about you know they're trying to send him back to to London, mm -hmm. um, then. Sanchez's army attacks them, finds out because somehow they figured out where he was, and kills like all of. I think he kills the MI6 agent too, but he also kills all of the Hong Kong narcotics people. It's a little bit unclear what happens, but they, you know, we don't see them again. So suffice to say, they probably are dead. Yeah. Uh, we also get a scene where the Asian girl picks up an M16 and tries to fight them. It doesn't go very well. Yeah, and so. For those who may not be certain of why Hong Kong's working with London, this is uh, during the period before the handover in 1997 where Hong Kong was still under direct uh, English control. Okay. It's just like, I'm not really sure why that whole subplot was there. I'm not, yeah. I don't know if it really contributed very much to the movie, but... It didn't really. I had a couple surprises and an action scene, so... No complaints yeah. about that. So Sanchez, so Sanchez, you know, is, goes in there and finds Bond tied up, and he realizes, okay, maybe he's trustworthy, so I'll let him into my organization. Which, yeah, okay, maybe he's trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I mean, I guess he saw him before with his money, so he knows that he yeah. knows his way around this sort of underworld. And also, so the he, uh, the Wave Crest is coming tonight. They mentioned yeah. that too. Mm -hmm. So Bond, he brings Bond back to the villa, and Bond is trying to convince uh, Sanchez that Milton Crest is the traitor in his organization. Well, 
but well, not he doesn't try to convince. He just plants the seeds of doubt and saying, you know, they said that they were gonna it was gonna be someone who's coming in tonight. They expected to be paid, and mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, the wave crest is coming tonight. So he's trying to plant that seed of doubt. Yes, and while they're talking, Bond smokes. Mm -hmm. I think this is the last movie where he smokes. Uh, if you don't count cigars, yes. I don't. <laughs> so Lupe helps Bond sneak out of the villa. So he goes back to the hotel room and he's, you know, confronts Pam because he's like, well, you know, what, what the hell were you doing there with Heller and what's going on? And apparently Heller, she was making, well, the U.S. Attorney General's office was making trying to make a deal with Heller because they found out that Sanchez had you know, bought some Stinger missiles and was threatening to shoot down a passenger plane. And so if Heller was able to get the Stinger missiles away, then he'd get a full immunity. Well, this is one twist after another around here. Yeah. But because when Bond missed the shot and didn't take the shot, but it, you know, set off the plastic explosives, Heller got frightened off and said, no, the deal's off now. Yeah. And he tripled security. Also during this scene, he doesn't mm -hmm. just confront Pam. He like banhandles oh, yeah. her. Mm -hmm. At some point, someone says there's more to this than your personal vendetta. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, no, there isn't. I'm James Bond. I mean, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> There's a more yeah. There's more going on, but yeah, it all it, it it's to, and I think in that moment you see sort of a realization on his face. Oh crap, maybe I screwed up a little bit. Yeah, you think maybe, but whatever, we'll figure it out. So then we we get a scene change where there's like the South America music. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't I can't sing it, but we all know <laughs> if you hear it, what do we mean by South America music? Bond and Pam figure out a way to crash the wave crest into the harbor. Yes, yeah, so ba Pam poses as the harbor pilot for the wave for the harbor, mm -hmm. and is bringing the wave crest in, and you know, yeah, crashes it into the dock on purpose, just cause a distraction. And mm -hmm. while that's happening, Bond, you know, dives uh, dives underneath the wave crest and brings a bunch of cash back. Yes, and mm -hmm. hides the cash in the pressure chamber so that you know it makes it look like uh, Milton Crest's been hoarding the money. And this, did, have you ever, have you seen the uh, John Travolta and Thomas Jane Punisher? I have not, no. So there's a part where he does this. Oh. Where John, John Travolta is like the mobster that mm -hmm. Thomas Jane is trying to kill. So he convinces, he like tricks John Travolta into thinking that John Travolta's henchman, lead henchman and his wife <laughs> have been sleeping together so that he, he'll get him to kill them both. Ooh. And that's what I thought this whole movie was going to be, was like him going to be like tricking people left and mm -hmm. right. But this is the only part of it. It's still good, though. Well, I think there's there's this and there's a little bit more of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but and of course, it works perfectly. Sanchez yep. totally falls for it. And he puts Milton Crest inside the pressure chamber, cramp, cranks up the pressure, and then depressure, you know, depressurizes the whole thing by hitting it with an axe. And then Milton Crest explodes. Yeah, this is probably the most famous part of this movie. <laughs> it's certainly the one that I hear people talk about the most. I would not know how to kill someone with a compression chamber. I'm glad that Sanchez does, I guess. <laughs> and it felt very six, very like 60s when they're like playing with the dials and they have all the switches <laughs> and stuff. Uh -huh. It felt like something out of a much older James Bond movie. Mm. I don't know if they could have gotten away with having someone's head explode like that back mm, in the day. Not really, no. Um, Bond makes it back to the island before, or back to the compound or whatever, but before mm -hmm. Sanchez even notices he's gone, which is pretty slick. Mm -hmm. And then Lupin and, makes a move on him. Yep. 
And yeah, so Sanchez, you know, get, throws him some money basically and says, you know, okay, you, your your tips paid off. So he really trusts Bond now. Which is yeah, I don't, I'm not sure why. I don't feel like James Bond has given him enough of a reason to trust him. Well, so he well he told him the truth. Well, a version of the truth and told him that he's you know a former British agent. So when he checked him out, okay, yeah, that's true, makes sense, and you know gave him a tip of who he thought you know was could be behind the the you know the infiltration of his organization who's trying to kill him and gave gave him a reasonable exclusion explanation of who that could be so it makes sense yeah it all, all kind of fits also james bond is very charming and not mm-hmm. just with women so <laughs> i guess it, i guess it could work i, I didn't yes. it didn't bother me i just was mm-hmm. kind of wondering about that ah, okay so so lupe you know goes to uh what's that to the hotel room to find mm-hmm. to warn q and pam saying you know bond needs help and of course this is where you notice where you know lupe let slip that this you know her and bond spent the night together which makes pam upset oh love and triangle you see q's like epic eye roll of, oh geez not again <laughs> Well, you know, you think this would happen to James Bond more often, but I don't remember James Bond being caught in like a love triangle before. Really? Yeah. Um, it's happened in a few. They usually tend to die before he meets the next one. Just ask Will Gall. True. <laughs> I I also like when when Lupe was like, I love James so much, and then Pam immediately makes fun of her about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they've known each other for what, like a few days. I mean, they've all only known each other for a few days, but right, with Lupe, yeah. it's even more ridiculous. Right, right. And then, uh, Q, but Q defends Bond. Q is like, mm-hmm. well, you know, sometimes special agents have to use every means available to get, do what they got to do. It's like, thanks, Q. You're a real bro. <laughs> so yeah, so Pam, so Pam is going to help you know, help out Bond, but then her like plane apparently got dismantled and said, you know, Sanchez ordered an overhaul of the plane. Mm-hmm. Which is like so, he doesn't want them to leave is probably yeah. the idea. So she has to go and she finds like the, any plane that she can. So what she ends up with this like old crop duster. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so Bond is going with Sanchez, Heller, Herman Lo- Truman Lodge, and the Asian drug dealers to his di- distribution center, which is where Professor Joe's meditation center is and it's a whole cover organization yes this whole elaborate complex and i wonder i'm sure that elaborate complex will be just fine at the end of the movie (laughs) so their whole plot is that they what they do is they dissolve the cocaine into the gasoline Mm -hmm. and transport the gasoline um overseas or wherever they want to and then when they're when they get to their destination they can easily extract the cocaine from the gasoline. And I looked this up, and this apparently can be done. Okay. I mean, it's, it seemed plausible. Mm-hmm. The te- the t- their TED Talk or whatever certainly <laughs> came, came <laughs> off as convincing. Yeah. But so, not, not that it really matters. They could say whatever. Mm-hmm. Plot-wise, it, it almost doesn't matter. It's like, let's just keep it going. Mm-hmm. So Pam is sneaking into the uh, med- into the meditation center, and she's you know says that oh you know she's from somewhere in Kansas and they took everyone in town took a took up a collection, and so she <laughs> uses that to trick uh, Professor Joe mm-hmm. and lock him inside his room. I remember noticing in this part there's like a weird cut where she's like uh-huh. we want Professor Joe to accept it personally and then it like cuts. Oh really? You know I didn't know I mean? that. 
Mm-hmm. I want to go back and check it. It's, it's just like they need like a beat for him to like react or something and uh. then before you move on to the next thing. <laughs> uh, also, I noticed when there when there's that big machinery and a conveyor belt, I was like, someone's mm-hmm. going into that going <laughs> into that machine. Yep. <laughs> so Benicio del Toro recognizes Bond mm-hmm. despite his efforts to keep his face. With the, with the with the mask. Yes. Yeah, so they so everyone all, all everyone taking the tour is wearing these you know face masks because you wouldn't want their best customers to develop a drug problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's the first rule of drug dealing or whatever is don't get high on your own supply. Mm-hmm. Or so they tell me. <laughs> so so yeah. So Benicio del Toro recognizes him and they're doing their you know drug lord TED talk as as you called it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and. When they're showing, when Sanchez is like, "Yeah, you know, the best part is, you know, if you had trouble with customs, no evidence." And he like lights the lights the small sample on fire, which causes a expl- little explosion, which Bond uses to his advantage to sort of get the drop on uh, what's his face on Dario. Yeah, and I also like kicks cool. it over, and then mm-hmm. like causes a larger fire. I thought that was cool when he was like, covers blown, react, bam, hit people, start a fire, run. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it work. It sticks, yeah. <laughs> but it was cool. And then it makes everybody just like react. They're like, evacuate, fire, mm-hmm. etc. I liked all that. Yeah. And so, yeah, so at this point, Sanchez and, and Dario, you know, managed to get Bond back again you know, back in custody. And like, mm. they put him onto the conveyor belt, like you were talking about. Yeah. Bond is not really the best fighter in the world in this one, Mm-mm. but you know, he's he, a spy more than a, like a yeah, commander. He's more about stealth. And when he's trying to be stealthy, he can be stealthy. So let's talk about this conveyor for a minute. Okay. What exactly is its purpose? It's I know they to, just explained that. It's to uh, break up the part, the uh, packets of cocaine so they can dissolve into gasoline okay so why does the entrance need to be like enormous <laughs> uh because they might have a lot of supply you know that needs to go through at once yeah but it's like, <laughs> i don't know can they put like a grate on it <laughs> <laughs> no because then it couldn't be used for torture yeah where they, that way you can't throw somebody into it also from the way that sanchez is speaking is like you know when you get up to your ankle you beg me for, to kill you it's like it sounds like he's done this before. Yeah, that's probably the kind of thing that he, apparently he's into people getting their legs cut off. Uh-huh. Did that to Felix earlier. Okay, I mean, once again, I didn't bother me that just much. I thought it was just funny that it's like yeah. something that exists <laughs> so that oh, you can have the plot go forward. Pretty much, yeah. So, and then while this happens, uh, Pam finds Bond, shoots Dario in the chest. Although he's still alive after that, and then he gets thrown into the uh, into the choppers. That's right. But before that, Bond pulls a Goldfinger and starts talking about the singers and says Heller is going to betray oh, Sanchez. Yes. Yeah, so he's he, like here. The, you said you were looking for more of that. So he's here's Bond still trying to plant those seeds of doubt. So talking about you know who you know planting the uh, thought that you know Heller is going to steal the the stingers and the Truman Lodge is going to steal the money and no one who can you trust well I thought it was kind of cool how it didn't work or did it well that's true it, it didn't save his life in the short term which is no, what it was intended it, to do but it worked in that uh, you know uh, Sanchez was growing more and more distrustful mm-hmm. and at this, the slightest nudge he'd start killing his own people just like John Travolta and the Punisher 
I'm not saying they ripped it off. Or maybe I am. I don't know. So anyway, so Pam arrives, eventually kills Benicio after quite a All bit right. of effort, and then saves saves Bond. And uh, he really um, did need saving. He was yes. Really <laughs> on his own. Uh, but then the base is exploding, and I didn't like that base exploding. I'm like, why? Well, because again, so like as we as we talked, this is supposed to be like a more gritty, realistic James Bond movie. And I, I'm having trouble reconciling gritty realism with bases blowing up. Yeah, all right, fine. I mean, I think they were trying to, you know, up the sort of 80s action movie, but they were also tr struggling to keep it Bond at the same time. And that's so I think that's what part of the uh, dissonance with this is that it's, you know, it, on one hand, it's doing that. On the other, other hand, it's like not. Right. I mean, it is still James Bond, and people do have certain expectations. Mm -hmm. I guess the only part really jumped out to me is when it's the wide shot of them, like, running away from the base <laughs> while, like, pillars of fire are coming mm -hmm. out from the ground. So, so yeah, so while, so while the, you know, while the bus is exploding, they're trying to get, a, like, I think they had four tankers full of gasoline, cocaine, mm -hmm. and they're trying to get those out of there, and... So, the, so Pam and Bond are running, and they go through a door, and then there's a forklift with a body. Was that Heller? That was Heller. So basically, yeah, Heller, we're not sure what Heller's motives were at this point, but he was un seemingly unpacking the uh, the Stinger missiles from the chopper. And when, when Sanchez sees him doing that, he's immediately suspicious and decides, no, nope, I'm just going to kill him. Yep. So, hey, it worked. Sure. Bond's plan, at least, yeah. We didn't really get that much time to know Heller, so nah. his death doesn't really jump out. And I, I noticed James Bond says, guess it's a dead end or something like uh, that. It's not his yeah. best work. Uh -oh. yeah, <laughs> so then so they, they jump a golf cart, and they're on after the tankers. Mm -hmm. and then uh, so it, they get into the in, plane, mm -hmm. and she drops uh, Bond onto one of the tankers, and it turns into this huge tanker chase there's lots of explosions it turns into um, uh the road warrior mixed with uh <laughs> the truck scene from indiana jones and Rose lost ark no i can see that yeah there's a scene where you know they're trying to shoot one of the stinger missiles at the tanker that bond is driving mm -hmm. and he does like a drives up on two well not two however many wheels two sets one set of the wheels of them so he's right. like yeah balancing it very carefully <laughs> That was like ridiculous. Like I, I know that this is like a, I know that this is like a famous stunt. It's like one of the things this movie is famous for that they did it a real stunt. Mm -hmm. so it was, that's cool, but in the context of the movie, it's like a guy's aiming a stinger missile at you, so you like dodge it. Uh huh. Why didn't he just adjust his aim five feet to the right? I don't know. Uh, by that time that it fired, no, no way, no way to move it. <laughs> oh, I, I guess it's like he's far enough away that Bond only did the dodge after the missile was already in flight. Yep. Okay, maybe they. All right, maybe I just didn't get it. So he crashes his tank into another tank to stop the road, mm -hmm. or to yeah, to, to cut the road. So there's four tankers, and two of them have been taken out. Sanchez yeah. says, uh, or, wait, "Who was the like the wormy little accountant guy again?" Truman Lodge. Truman Lodge is like great. Another eighty million dollar write up, Sanchez. It's like, dude, what's your problem? Well, he's the money guy, so he's worried about all the money, basically. Yeah, but you're like you're fleeing for your lives here. Let's have a little bit of perspective. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like Sanchez has plenty of money. Well, he, yes, but he just well, first of all, he just blew he blew the facility in the Keys that was helping them <laughs> do this. He just blew up his you know 
the other facility, and now he lost eighty million dollars worth of uh, of product. Yeah. So I mean, it, Truman Lodge has got a point. Yeah, you know, at some point, just you know, just try to escape and stop trying to go after this guy who's costing you even more money. And I, mm-hmm. he has the great line of, you know, well, I guess we start better start cutting overhead and kill Truman Lodge. It, it doesn't just kill him; he like machine guns him like a bunch yeah, of times. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, B- James Bond is wheeling his cab section of a tanker to get through a roadblock <laughs> while the music plays. Uh, uh, good times. So Sanchez catches up with him. They have they have a fight, and Sanchez gets covered in gasoline, mm-hmm. and he gets the drop on Bond. And Bond says, "Wait, don't you want to know why?" I did. And shows him the lighter. Yes. I did like how they crash together and they both get hurt. That seemed very eighty <laughs> 80s action. You know, Bond messes up sometimes too, and Santos goes after him with a machete. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that mach- that machete cuts through like some gas lines. That's how he gets covered in gas. Yeah. So anyway, and so Bond pulls the lighter out, and says, "That's why," or whatever. Yeah. So shows shows him why, and I'm not so at that range. Though I don't think Sanchez could even see what's on the lighter. But it doesn't matter because he just uses the lighter to light him on fire. Which is awesome. I knew that lighter was going to be coming back. I just didn't see it coming in this way. Um, and by the way, my understanding is that gasoline doesn't light on fire as easily as it does in the movies. Hmm. Don't try um, it at home, though. So, well, one of the things is like, and I think the they said it is for that scene in Daredevil where he like, you know, throws a match, uh, throws a match and the DD lights up and from gasoline. gasoline. That's the was, 2000s Ben Affleck. Uh, yeah. Daredevil, by the way. Not so, ben Affleck, no, I think um, Mythbusters or someone did something and said that, yeah, no, the it would evaporate much sooner. That. But the gasoline is absorbed into his clothing. So I think that's a difference. In this particular case, you actually yeah. can't light someone on fire. It's, I don't that way. I, potentially. I'm not sure. I've never I mean, tried it. I mean, who who cares? Fine. <laughs> just just saying. Well, I'm saying like, if gasoline exploded as easily as it does, we might not use it as fuel for our cars because fair. We would be driving around in like potential time bombs. <laughs> <clears throat> so Bond actually s- seemed sad that Sanchez was dead. Mm. Or is that just? That's sort of the emotion I was reading off of him. but I was reading sort of exhausted from him. Oh, okay. Hmm. That would probably make that would probably make a little more sense. Or like relief that it's over. Yeah, but I can see that. So um, next we cut to Felix, who's awake finally. And he seems and... to be in really good mood considering that his wife is dead. Right? Yeah, that like was... Like a really good uh... mood. So he's, you know, say calls. He's talking to Bond and saying, "Yeah, I, you know, I heard from M. Looks like he might have a job for you." So, even though we don't see it, we know at the end of the at the end of this, Bond's going to go back to work for MI6. And apparently, there's no consequences for <laughs> almost punching his boss and running away from a mission that they used him yeah. to do. They just got 008 to do it. Well, it would have been kind of cool to see some consequences for it, but maybe that's not the sort of movie that we would expect that. Yeah. It's like, oh, that James Bond. <laughs> what are we going to do with you? And so Bond, while he's on the phone, is at a party that, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lupe is host is hosting along with like the president of Isma City. Mm-hmm. The guy who Sanchez talked down to earlier. We didn't. Really yeah. That. He's like, I allow so- you to be president. So that guy, the actor who plays him, is the son of uh, the uh, 
his name is Pedro Armandares Jr. And okay. Pedro Armandares was Karim Bay from Felix from uh, from Russia with Love, one of the mm-hmm. Bond's allies. I don't remember him. I don't remember that movie so well. But that's that's yeah. that's kind of cool though. Mm-hmm. Nice to them. They keep it in the James Bond family. Yeah. So yeah, and of course, so Bonds, you know, kissing Lupe and Pam notices, and so you get more of this sort of love Uh-oh. triangle. It's like a Saved by the Bell episode. <laughs> so you, Bond sees Pam, you know, sulking away downstairs near the pool. So Bond decides, I'm just gonna jump into the pool down mm-hmm. there to go sort of apologize. Is it a callback to the guy in the pool with the champagne from earlier? Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> no. <laughs> And so it ends with Bond and Pam, you know, in the pool and a winking like fish sculpture. Right. And so which I guess weird. so I guess Bond is made his choice between Pam and Lupe anyway with mm-hmm. Pam. Until next movie when she'll be forgotten about. Nice to know some things never change. Yeah. Well, that was license to kill. There's yeah, a lot so to be said about it. Yeah, I don't think we have anything for spy fact or spy fiction other than the fact that uh, apparently you can dissolve gas. Like it is a method that some drug uh, smugglers have used to get the uh, cocaine across borders is you know, yeah, diluting it into gasoline and then getting it out of there somehow. I also would like to know if you can dodge a stinger missile with a tanker, but I don't think anybody's that- tested that. I mean, if Mythbusters was still on, maybe they would try it. <laughs> so what is now it is time for our our rating between one to ten martinis, one being absolutely terrible, ten being the best movie ever. <laughs> How would you rate License to Kill? Ooh, I'm going to give it a solid six. I will also give it a six. And I did, okay. I'm not saying that just because I heard you say it. That is okay. how I felt, yeah. which is mm-hmm. that it is average on the better side of average, but still nothing too amazing. Yeah. Like I said, it's one of the ones I've seen the least of all the James Bond movies. Um, I do, I do like, you know, the, something the action's good and it's, it's a little bit grittier in some, some ways, but I, I really like Timothy Dalton as a Bond actor, but it's not his best work. I like his other Bond movie a lot better. I like Timothy Dalton in general. He didn't really blow me away on this one. I, mm-hmm. I know I like him in like Doom Patrol, <laughs> Hot Fuzz. He's been in, mm-hmm. he's been in lots of good stuff, but yeah. it's, I feel like he's the most or rather the least talked about James Bond actor. Mm. I mean, I know you like Lazenby, but people like to talk about him because they don't like him. No, it's well, we can talk about Lazenby another time, but I don't <laughs> think it, people talk people talk about with him a lot of times without having seen his movies or without a context to him or knowing why he only did one people people assume that he was fired so that's part of why they talk about him yeah it might be one of those internet back scratching mm, things exactly. where people just pile just pile on without really knowing what they're talking about okay well thank you for joining us for license to kill anything yeah. else you want to say before we sign off if you want to find us online you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook at the spy fi guys and be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcast. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Sorry. So for the SpyFi guys, I've been Christian. And I've been Zach. And we are the SpyFi guys signing off.
Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended.